From the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia, this is Grady College Conversations. I'm your host, Dane Young, a 2011 graduate of Grady College and now a PR specialist on staff. This conversation features Kendall Trammell, a 2016 alumna of Grady College and now a global digital programming producer at CNN. She's a rising star in digital media. Here's our conversation with Kendall Trammell. Kendall Trammell joining us here on Grady College Conversations. Kendall, thanks for coming back. For, thanks for uh, having for doing me. This. So you're speaking at another event a little bit later on uh, at Grady after we get done recording. Um, you work at CNN. You do things at the produce, producer's desk. Why is it important for you to come back to Grady? Grady gave me so much exposure to the media landscape. I mean, I feel like it's just kind of my duty to come back and to be able to talk to students and just let them know what life is like after graduating, after, you know, here at the University of Georgia. So I always have a great time getting to come back and talk to everyone. So what is a day in the life of someone uh, doing some of the producer and digital work at CNN? Because I think a lot of people see those letters and they don't understand how massive of an operation it is. So a day in your professional life, kind of take me through that. Yeah, so CNN is a really big operation. I think when people first think about CNN, they immediately think about the cable news side, you know, being in front of the camera, rushing around on Capitol Hill, trying to you know talk to senators. But there's also this other side called digital, uh, which is the side that I get to work with and it's so exciting. So I am a digital producer on the global digital programming team. And the way that I explain that to people is that there are TV producers, people who are shaping their show, their rundown, how their anchors are gonna look, when they're gonna you know go to their reporters out in the field, what I'm doing on digital is shaping how our homepages look, what our alerts look like. So when people come to CNN.com, they have a really good idea of what the news landscape looks like at that moment. Oh, that's awesome. How do you make that decision? How do you delineate, this is what I think is important in this moment uh, compared to other things? Because there are so many options out there, right, with the network the size of CNN size of things to choose from, correct? It's tough. I mean, you have to have your finger on the pulse at all times. So. We're constantly checking in with different teams from like international teams to our national news desk, entertainment, our sports teams. And it's it's a whole global operation. I usually work, you know, the evening shift. And so between that time, I could be talking with people in New York, in D.C., L.A., Hong Kong by the time that I'm leaving. And so it just keeps revolving around the world of who you're working with just to try to figure out what are the top news priorities right now. And then also using data to help understand what our audiences are engaging with. How do you determine uh, kind of, we all know that kids and pets and animals and all those things, they play well for the internet, right? Sure. People love looking at those videos. And the same thing with TV. Um, how do you determine how to kind of find that balance between the hard news, the things that people probably really need to know, versus the things that maybe they want to see, which is the cute dog video. Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is being able to balance uh, how to be an essential news source and how to be an engaging news source, right? So there's the BuzzFeed effect where it's like listicles or like 24 things you need to know about this person. Um, you know, oh, uh, you're an Aquarius. This is what it means um, based on like what you eat at Chick-fil-A. Uh, and I really, you know, like things that are entertaining. It's like, oh, I just want to see what, you know, BuzzFeed thinks about me. And I think for CNN, it's really trying to find that balancing act mm -hmm. of like here, like, 
like your fact checks, the news of the day that you need to know, but then also being able to have some space to entertain our audience, to keep them around, um, especially when there is so much going on in the world. So you graduated from Grady in 2016, do I yes. have that right? Yeah. Um, when did you first know, I guess maybe as a child, or when did you first know that this kind of field was where you were headed? Yeah. Uh, actually, when I was in high school, I remember it was 10th grade, uh, AP Euro history, and we had just finished our um, AP exam for that year, and we had a few weeks left before the school year was out. And our teacher decided instead of giving us busy work, we had to put together a project um, about you know a portfolio on a, a school and figure out like what major we would be you know how we would finance our our college career which is terrifying <laughs> um you know and just basically give a presentation um and then actually going through the steps of filling out a college application which was really um great experience so through that it i had to really think about what it is that i was interested in and i knew that i you know i loved learning uh i loved talking with people and then finally like going through I realized, wait a minute, there's this thing called journalism, like people get paid to tell people about what's going on in the world. That's crazy. Um, and I think that's really just where it started. And so then I just started to do my research and then realizing that the University of Georgia, which is two hours from where I was living, I grew up in Newton, Georgia, was a top journalism school right in my backyard. So it just kind of made sense. And so it's that like natural curiosity, right? Of yeah. What's happening around you? That's what I always hear the professors talk about when, um, you know, how do you thrive in this business for a long time? They say you have to have that curiosity. Uh, where does that start with you? Where, like, where did you first realize? you know, I'm, I'm pretty curious about how this works, or I want to tell people how this goes. Yeah, and I think it was something that I didn't even realize I had that natural curiosity until uh, people started to bring that up to me. My grandfather, when I was really, really, really young, uh, I call him Papa. Uh, he just turned 93, so. Oh, hey, Papa. Hey, uh Papa. Um, but um, he would watch me when my mom would go to um, school. She was in college, and my dad uh, ran a nightclub and a bar, so he would come home early in the morning, and he needed to go to sleep. So mm -hmm. I would sit with Papa on his lap, and um, he would watch CNN, and we would read the New York Times and do the crossword puzzles. Was I really reading the New York Times? Probably not, but I was really helpful in figuring out like what words went where on the crossword puzzles. And I think just like having someone um, in my life that really exposed me to different media outlets and formats, I, I think at a young age is really important and it's impressionable on you. Um, he was also a city court judge at the time, so I had an interest in politics. It was just something I kind of grew up with in my household. Uh, and all those things just kind of helped align and show me different parts of the world. What was Papa's reaction when you first got to go back and tell him, hey, I just got a job at CNN? Oh, he was over the moon. One, he said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to, you know, turn the channel and now, like, see if you're ever going to be on there. And I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but it actually did happen a few months ago, so um, he proved me wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was just so excited to know that I was going to be able to do something that we had talked about, you know, just like it was an interest for us. News was interesting. Um, whenever the Supreme Court would get together and they'd have their major landmark cases that would, you know, their rulings would come out during the summer, I would call and be like, oh, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about the Affordable Care Act? What does that really mean? And like have his context and being able to break that down for me um, as a high schooler, I thought was just so cool. You just said you made a TV appearance. What was that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the great thing about 
Um, being uh, in a newsroom that's so collaborative is that you end up getting to work with a lot of different teams. Um, so sometimes I've been, you know, on the producer side, you know, trying to like help get stories together so that we can shape and frame headlines on our homepages. And then I also have the opportunity to actually write some of those stories and tell them for our audience. And one of those stories actually um, was about uh, Justin Trudeau um, and some of the news coming around um, photos of him when he was younger in um, blackface. And one of the TV producers actually picked it up and said, hey, like, we really think that this is an interesting piece. Would you mind coming on air and talking about it with Brianna Keeler? So um, that was a really, like, just incredible day, like, getting that email in the morning and being like, whoa, is this real? Is this a real email? Like, how do I get ready to go on air now? Um, but, you know, they're all just, like, really great people and a supportive network that want to help make you feel as most comfortable, um, especially when it's something that you don't do every day. So are they in that situation? Are they curious about kind of the digital and online reaction? And that's kind of what you're providing to them? Like, hey, this story's out there. What's happening online with it? Yeah, and I think it's also sometimes just like being able to have um, a diversity in uh, different perspectives and how people create news and how they package stories and, and think about it um, and being able to expand that conversation larger. You're pretty young in your career. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Your official title at CNN, I probably should have said this earlier, what I have is a producer uh, global digital programming. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh, man. I read some website very well. (laughs) Or you posted it well, either way. Um, That can sound like a pretty broad, uh, I guess, definition or a pretty broad title. Um, So when people ask you, hey, what do you do? How do you describe that to them? Yeah. um, I really just tell them about some of the big storylines that I've worked on. So... This last year, I've been working with, I was working with the Russia investigation, um, working with our DC teams, and whenever that news is breaking, making sure that we um, had the accurate headlines on our homepages, had the context for our audience, so when they came in, they knew, like, these are the key players, um, this is what's happening right now, and being able to show that live experience for people on our digital platforms. Um, just last week, I came in um, on a Sunday and the news about Kobe Bryant broke Mm -hmm. just five minutes before I was walking in. So I had the opportunity to transform our homepage, change the layout completely and really show people how big of a story this is Um, while also getting ready to prepare for the Grammys that was supposed to be happening a few hours later um, in Kobe Bryant's, uh, you know, home at the Staples Center. And so being able to like have those two storylines and figuring out how do we make a presentation that is respectful to both but then being able to show the diversity of content that we have. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, too, of what you can prepare for and kind of what you can't. So obviously a tragedy like that, you're in a bit response mode and you have to make a lot of ethical decisions on what needs to be posted, how it needs to be presented. Uh, But I was on the CNN page today before you came in here, and uh, today is the kickoff of the Iowa caucus in election season. And I'm sure a ton of preparation went into that, thinking this is a very big deal for the election this year. Um, How do you kind of balance the the things that you can prepare for versus the breaking news? So I think that there's still a way to prepare for breaking news. It's knowing like these are the top priorities, right? A story breaks, get the story on the page. Um, A story breaks, we have it on the page, great. What photos do we have? Great. What other information is missing from the story that we need to help push the story further? 
Uh, what other, you know, evergreen pieces do we have, whether it's about um, an election, if it's about school shootings that we can bring back to kind of add that context to show that we've been reporting on um, these topics for uh, uh, longer than just today in this moment. One thing I did want to ask you about, too, was uh, some of the stuff you've done with the Dean's List dinners, um, because this is a different side of, uh, you know, the, the CNN thing in Atlanta. Um just the community building and the leadership and the impact. So first of all, if you don't mind telling our audience what it's about, and then kind of the second part of that is, why do you do it? Why is that important to you? Sure. So the Dean's List Dinners is something that was actually started by another Grady alumna, uh, Meredith Dean. And uh, it's through her company called The Dean's List, which is a digital branding consultancy agency. And through these dinners, it's really an opportunity to help bring people together in an intimate setting. Um, so it's a different type of networking. For me personally, people think like, oh, Kendall's such an extrovert. You know, you know, she's, she's well-spoken. She's always is laughing and talking to people but what they don't realize is that that is a lot of energy for me like doing this interview right now <laughs> is exhausting but I, I love it and I think that it's important to do but it has to be in the right setting so it's, there's just two people in this room right now this is a comfort zone for me I'm good um, but if there's 50 other people then I'm like I don't know where to you know what do I do with my hands like can I put my purse down here there are just other factors and variables going on and so we try to find a way to break that down for those who maybe aren't so outgoing but want something smaller more controlled there are 10 people around you instead of a hundred people around you and so you can have a conversation with someone for longer than just two minutes walking by yeah, that's so important because um, I think especially in a place like Atlanta or in the case of, of Meredith's side of it in Charlotte, um, and then obviously other places, it, it's so easy to feel like you're lost even though you're around people all the time, uh, but it's it's not the same kind of connection, especially in the digital age. So I think that's a pretty interesting divide that you have where a lot of your life is spent on your phone, on your computer, oh, designing yeah. things for other people to be on their phones and computers, but at the same time, kind of having that effort to have that face-to-face -face interaction. And I think that's why I love, you know, being able to host these dinners in Atlanta. It's, it's giving me an opportunity to say, Kendall, you can step away from your phone right now. And so with these dinners, you know, one of the, the really exciting parts that people enjoy coming to our dinners that make them different from others is that we are taking your phone away for the dinner portion of the event. And um, it's kind of just like a, a relief just to be able to have your phone taken away. You're no longer tethered to it. And you can just be present here in the moment with the people that are sitting next to you and have a conversation about politics, about dating, about mental health, whatever the topic is that uh, that evening. But just to be able to have an authentic conversation and um, feel challenged and to feel like it's an, an, a space where you can be open. It, it is a comfortable feeling, but only after some anxiety. Uh, yes. when, when I was uh, doing sports coverage, and I used to cover the Masters in Augusta, the golf tournament, they don't allow patrons to bring cell phones onto the mm. course, and reporters either. Um, some media outlets had, like, walkie-talkies, but probably the first – we're so accustomed to it that after, like, the first – 
maybe the first 20 minutes is just so hard. You're always reaching for your phone, even just to check the time or, or whatever it may be. Um, we're so tethered to it. And I don't think that we realize that, but then there's some strange freedom that comes after that, that I think is just exhilarating. Um, I, do you see that from the, the people that you interact with at these dinners? Oh yeah. So when the, when the dinner is over and we say, all right, you know, we've hit our time. If, if you'd like to have your phone back, if you need to make a phone call, you know, some people have children and so they have like a sitter that they need to check in with, then you, you can feel free to do so. I can pass your phones back out. So we keep the phones in a bag or somewhere nearby so it's in sight and people can see, but not, you know, next to us at the table. And most times no one is, you know, trying to reach for their phone. They're just, they want to talk to the person next to them or someone said something really interesting during the dinner. So they want to follow up with them on that. And it's just really exciting to see, wait a minute, we can actually communicate and socialize with each other still, except instead of, you know, having to rely on Instagram and, and likes here or there, like we can actually have just a genuine old fashioned conversation. What have you learned about people through that? I've learned that people are really looking for a space to be vulnerable. I think all of the dinners that we've hosted in Atlanta this past year, it's always come back to how do we slow down and take a break? How do we give ourselves permission to breathe and to say, hey, Kendall, I know this didn't go the way that you wanted. It's okay. And being able to be okay with just dropping the ball sometimes. I think there are a lot of pressures to to be perfect, to be on time, to be the best that you can be, to always be climbing the social ladder, uh, getting those promotions at work, um, and just really, you know, having this glorified image out on, uh, online. And that's just not everyone's reality. It kind of brings out the humanity in people, right? When exactly. You can connect with them as a person like that. Um, I think this is a decent segue. We are speaking in Black History Month right now, and I'm just curious um, how you connect with that and then um, kind of where you feel your place in is in that, working at a place like CNN that can be so influential on people. Um, how do you feel that that inclusion of, of Black History Month and that I guess the pride of the whole thing. How do you feel like you represent that? Yeah. So um, I want to start off by saying that I am half black. I'm, I'm, I should actually be a little more accurate than that. I'm three quarters black and a quarter Vietnamese. My mom um, was born in Vietnam. So, but I've usually grown up with like a black culture. Um, my dad is, his side of the family's Creole. Um, Every year we celebrate the Lunar New Year. We just did that with my mom um, last weekend. I'm going to pause you, though, because that's a lot of good food. <laughs> that's a lot of good food. And, like, I get Creole. I get Vietnamese food. Like, I'm not missing meals, let me tell you. <laughs> um, uh, but I think, you know, everyone kind of needs to be able to recognize, like, what how their lens um, shapes what they do. And so I really try to think about... What are the ways um, that make me see one situation one way versus another person? And I think especially with the job that I do with programming, that that's what makes our team so strong is that we are a team that is really diverse um, in the way that we look, in the places that we come from, whether it's the Midwest, whether it's, you know, outside of Atlanta, um, whether it's a big city like New York. Um, and being able to share our perspectives on this is why this story is important, this is why this framing is offensive, this is why we need an image like this, or this is why we need to have um, stories about African Americans during Black History Month. Um, 
So with my role right now, I work uh, specifically with trending and culture uh, planning topics. So Black History Month falls underneath that. And so I get to talk with different teams about what sort of content are we going to have? What other pieces did we really love throughout the year that could actually be resurfaced um, to come back up during this month? And, you know, just to be able to highlight a little more with our audience. Uh, so I think that there is value in that and it's important for people to just always know that um, these observances don't just go unnoticed, but it's just a reminder so that way other communities can see their stories being told. Well, and it's just the importance of, of everyone having a voice that, that matters and comes to the table. And I think a lot of times in, in the past that wasn't the case. And I think the digital age, what you're working in, probably helps that a little bit more. It may make it more difficult because there's a lot of other voices also yelling at the same time and maybe not as much listening, right, as, as we would like. Um, but I would think that you have to have a very understanding ear or eye in the case if you're reading about how each community or each culture experiences things um, and how just because someone perceives something to either be offensive or celebratory or whatever, um, I would think you have to have a lot of pause, right, in some of the things that you're seeing, that global that's in your title. Um, I bet there's a lot of learning that comes with that. So how have you kind of perceived uh, cultures that maybe you didn't know uh, through the lens of your job? I think it's really taking the time to just stop and ask the questions and not being afraid to ask a question because you think you're going to look dumb. Uh, I love some of our leadership because they ask those questions bluntly, like, I don't understand what you mean. You know, if we're, we're talking about just a, like to use a lighter topic, like maybe it's a story about um, Beyonce or, or Billie Eilish. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, she's the bad guy. Or like, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll use things like, oh, bet, like Gucci, you know, mm -hmm. words and lingo. And they're like, I don't understand what you're saying. We're like, oh, we stand, we stand that. And um, they're like, I'm sorry, stand or stand um, and just being okay with knowing that you're not going to know everything. Mm -hmm. I think you have to just get that out there in the open. I'm not going to know everything about, you know, CEOs and um, the S&P and other people aren't going to know everything about Gen Z. Um, it's just being okay with knowing that uh, if you ask a question, someone's going to try their best to answer it the best that they can um, to help show their perspective. And I think we just have to be really honest, um, but respectful of how we go about, you know, just talking with our peers. I think when we uh, just assume that people should know what we're talking about, then that's when people get quiet and they feel like they can't speak up or they can't engage with each other. And just to be able to have, you know, um, open an open dialogue. You're going to leave this conversation and you're going to go speak to some Grady students. And I know the question they're going to ask you. And I oh, think no. you do too. <laughs> and it's, Kendall, you graduated in 2016. That's not long ago. You're definitely considered a young alumni. I am. Um, <sighs> how did you get to CNN so quickly? Uh, right? That's going to be the question. I'm sure that's the one you answer all the time. Um, so what's your advice to current Grady students? I I worked really hard when I was in college. I don't I don't shirk from that. I I don't stutter when I say that. I worked hard, and I think that there are my peers, you know, that I graduated with. They worked hard too, but you'll also see a difference in like 
what internships were you going after? You know, like what sort of experiences on campus were you trying to, you know, take a hold of? Were you working at the Red and Black? Were you working with New Source? Um, you know, were you, you know, working with the Athens Banner Herald, Flagpole? Like, like, like what were you doing in your own community at that time? And then what sort of network were you trying to build outside of Athens? Like, were you reaching out to people in Atlanta? Um, and just really keeping uh, in touch with those people. I think that is a, a big part of it. So my last semester, literally my last semester, senior year, I um, was interning with CNN. Uh, I had already had a job lined up, so I didn't necessarily need this internship, um, but it was something that I just, I wanted, and I finally had gotten my foot in the door, and I said, you know what, sure, why not, let's do it. And then uh, I did my internship, I had a great experience. I went on, I worked with my other job, and then a year later, a recruiter reached out and said, hey, is this something that you'd be interested in? Uh, would you want to come back and work for us? And that's you know, a fun phone call. It's it's a it's a great phone call to have. And it's like no, but like I also really like I have this like cool job that I'm doing right now. And so it's a good problem to have when you have a job and someone else is like, hey, do you want to explore this other opportunity? I think it's really important that people know that. Um, you're going to be in a situation like that at some point. And it's okay to be like, oh, no, what do I do? But also remember that this is, this is good. And so being able to just have those, um, those options open um, to keep up with people, that's what I did. I, I kept up with some of the people that I worked with at CNN, used them as references for different things that um, I was working on or like applying to institutes, programs. Uh, so they knew about what like the work that I was doing. And so when people know what you're doing, then they can keep you at the top of their mind. That network of people around you that just shifts so quickly. Uh, but I think what a lot of current students, uh, I, I hope they understand is that the network of people that you find at Grady, they that's your network going forward and then it just expands for wherever they work or wherever you yeah. work so now your network is rooted in grady but now advanced to see one of our interns is a is a grady student right now so you know it just it, it it really can be a great use for you if you are ta- you know taking advantage of it i don't think people know how um how easy it is just to like reach out to someone and actually get a reply back um, whenever someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, like I'm a Grady student, I really do my best to try to get back to them. I know sometimes everything's crazy and like maybe I don't get back as soon as possible, but I have it flagged, I have it starred. I know like I need to respond to this person because someone did that for me before. Well, you're one of our stars and we're appreciative that you do so much for Grady and represent us like you do. Um, I do want to finish with this though because I want to let you kind of put on your expert hat because you deal with the <laughs> digital trends all the time. What do you think is coming next digital-wise? Because, you know, we've kind of come through this video revolution. Um, I guess TikTok is skyrocketing right now because oh, yeah. of video. Um, what do you see next happening in the digital space? Uh, and I guess what is your team preparing for? Yeah. I You know, as far as what we're preparing for, I mean, it, it could be a, a, a number of things. But something that I do find, like, really interesting right now is just – how people use um, like messaging apps and like how they're connecting with people. Uh, I was just on the phone with my sister who's younger than me. She's 22 and she's in college. And uh, she was talking to her roommate and she's like, oh, well, can you just, um, oh, you don't have her number? Oh, it's fine. Can you just Snapchat her really fast? Can you go find her on Snapchat and just message her to be here in 10 minutes so that way we can leave? Thanks. I was like, I would have never thought like, oh, let me just Snapchat my friend. Hey, can you be here? Can you, Bree just said, can you be here in 10 minutes? I don't know this other person. Um, But 
I think that's really interesting, like the idea of things not being permanent um, and just like this cycle that we go through with the internet. I think because, you know, I'm a millennial, my sister is maybe Gen Z, maybe millennial, um, and just how we use our, our social platforms is just dramatically different. Um, she is a little more reserved with what she is posting and sharing. I'm like a like open red book. I'm like, here, here I am. Like, I'm so authentic. And she uh, is a little more cautious and she uh, likes to think thoroughly about her post, not because she's afraid of what her peers are going to say, but she's just like, mm, does this need to be out there? I don't know. Like, why is mom posting this? Like, it's so personal. Does it need to be out there? And I, I just, I'm really fascinated by that question. I think some of that may be, because I'm a millennial, just a few years older than you. Um, you know, our generation was the first on social media, or right. at least the first to to have it as we were developing. So we're seeing those ramifications now, right, of, of being so open and being um, so, you know, so social and being out there online. But I think what I am starting to see is that my, my sister and her friends, they're okay with being social media shy. Like, you don't have to have your brand all the way full out there. You can choose how you want it to, you know, to, to be shared. If you want to have a presentation, sure, go for it. If you want to have a really um, a highly curated feed, you know, different colors, that's okay too. Also, if you just want it for yourself, that's fine. Yeah. I, th I think these like Finstas, these fake Instagram accounts, it's just like so, it, like it's it's <laughs> funny to me because I'm like, why would you go through all this energy to make multiple accounts? But you know, maybe it's just because people just want to have their own space that really is their space to express themselves. And that's, that's cool. One of the hard and fast rules that I believe with social media is that uh, no person wants to be on the same platform that their parents are on. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you just want that like level of separation. And so I, I think we're kind of seeing that with Facebook now. Uh, but that means we'll see it with Instagram at some point as well. And then we'll uh, all go to TikTok. Yeah, and, and then we'll go to, and then there'll be something after that. There's there's always something. Uh, it's probably why I gravitated to Twitter because I feel like maybe it's slightly different in that way, um, even though it can be a little bit of a vile place sometimes, but it can be a great place too. Uh, and I think for a lot of Grady people, uh, it's just where news happens. And I'm sure I, if I saw the analytics and the screens that you probably look at daily with your job, I'd My probably eyesight. be uh -huh. <laughs> The graphs that you have to look at. Um, this is awesome. Thanks for doing this. No, thank you. This is great. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, and maybe we'll come see you in Atlanta sometime as well. Uh, it sounds like you've been burning that road uh, from 316. Yeah, uh, for, quite yeah a while for sure. I, I know 316. <laughs> well, we hit your childhood. We said hi to Papa, which yes. is great. Uh, we hit your professional life. Um, what's next for you? Oh, what's next for me? I'm getting married. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. So um, just busy wedding planning and, you know, just really um, just reminding myself of like the things that are really important to me right now. So trying to find that balance of of um, my personal life and like my, my career and my ambition um, and finding ways to integrate the two. Well, I think that's something that students that you're about to speak to will, will like to hear as well. How do you find that balance? Because it is very important. Uh, Kendall Trammell from CNN joining us here on Grady College Conversations. Thanks, Kendall. Thank you. Thank you to Kendall Trammell for joining us here and for all that she does uh, for Grady College. She made time for our chat before she spoke with students involved with women in media here at the college. And she's always giving back uh, with different Grady-affiliated groups. Thank you for listening. Until next time on Grady College Conversations, I'm Dane Young.